We're continuing our series, Grow Up, and before we go in that, I just want to welcome everyone. If you've never been here, if this is your first time here, we want to welcome you to Impact Life Church. You belong here. There's a place for you. We're so thrilled and honored that you're here. It's, a, it's really it's an honor for us for, for you to be here with us and worship our Jesus this morning. Isn't he so good? Yes. And those of you that may not know him yet, well, today's your day to find out. We have a good God. His name is Jesus, and he loves the snot out of you. <laughs> Everything about him. I, I, I said this before, but literally what Jesus does is he loves the hell right out of people. Amen. That's what he does. That's what he does best. And so this morning, I would encourage you, if, you, if you're not really used to the church thing, well, just let Jesus love you this morning because he wants to. That's what he is. That's what he's all about. All about love and truth. And that's who we are. And of course, this church, we're the friendliest church I've ever met. I mean, I don't get out a whole lot to other churches, but I mean, I'm a little biased, but this is one friendly hunky-dory church. So thank you everyone for making it what it is. And, uh, you know, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter two for a moment. And I actually just, I had this on my heart just to kind of kick it off uh, this morning. But our series that we're continuing on is called Grow Up. So you can say, Grow Up. Grow up. And you can say, say it with some sarcastic tone in your voice. You can look at your spouse. You can look at your, your kid or whoever's beside you and say, Grow Up. Time for you to grow up. And listen, and they're not wrong in saying it. It's time to grow up. Glad we're all on board on that. Okay. Listen, we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. And, well, I am. <laughs> I'm excited about this because, you know what, in, in prepping these times and spending time with the Lord on these messages, it is, a, uh, it is an eye-opener and it is a kick in my own pants. So when I'm speaking to you, I'm actually speaking to myself. And you're, I'm just, basically, I'm the first hearer of this message. You're the second one. So enjoy. <laughs> but uh, in Philippians chapter 2, I'm reading it just from the Amplified just for a moment here. And I want you to hear these words. Because uh, this is why we're doing what we're doing, why we're talking on growing up. And uh, Paul goes on and he writes this, and I'll just read the whole verse. It says, So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out. Now listen to this. Continue to work out your salvation. Now in brackets amplified, it says, That is cultivated. Bring it to full effect Actively pursue spiritual maturity. Actively pursue spiritual maturity. Why or how? With awe-inspired fear and trembling. So awe-inspired fear simply means with reverence, with respect towards God, and also with trembling. And the Amplified it goes on to say, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation, to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Whew. We're the church. Man, we are, we're Jesus people. That's who we are. And uh, so what, why are we talking about growing up? Because what you don't confront never changes. If we just keep hearing nice stuff all the time and never confronting things in your life that need change, nothing ever changes in your life, even though all the good things are still there. Right? You're not, listen, what you are known for, you're known for two things. The problems you solve or the problems you create. <laughs> That's really what people are known for in this earth. One of those two things. So you're either on one end of the category. Which side would you rather be on? The problem solvers. Right? Right? Am I, we're on the same, okay, we're, on, we're on the same page on that. Okay, I'm glad you're with me on this. But now that was just, I wanted just to kind of serve. Why are we talking about this? Because we want to start up, we want to grow up. Man, I want to grow up. We get to grow up. 
And now I'm asking you, would you give me just about seven or eight minutes just to review a few things that we've talked about previously? Okay. I got nine. Somebody said nine. Hey, oh, brother Mac, that's what I'm talking about. What a good Christian. Gold star for you over there in the, in the fifth row. You would have gotten two if you were in the front, but fifth row you get, you know, all right. Anyways. So why grow up? Why are we talking about this? What's the purpose of growing up? Number one, it is the plan of God and it is required of us to grow up. It's not just a, you know, it's required of, you know, first John two, six, it says this, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's growing up is a requirement. God actually expects it of you and I. Secondly, Jesus is advancing his kingdom by building his church. God needs builders and advancers. And being a builder and an advancer isn't just an easy thing that you just get done by accident. It requires effort. It requires being intentional. It requires enduring through tough times and even going through things that are uncomfortable. Christianity is not supposed to be comfortable. It never is designed to be comfortable. So if you are comfortable, let me encourage you, we're going to just put some sticks in your back so we can get a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because the moment we get comfortable, literally we stop growing. There's no more growth that happens. And you know, Pastor Sheila is known for this in our team meetings anyway. All growth happens outside your comfort zone. And so what are you... You're, you're, there's more to what your life is you know, expected to be part of. There's more to your life than what you're experiencing right now. There's so much more. Thirdly, so number one, it's the plan of God. It's required of you. Secondly, Jesus is building and advancing his church and babies can't build churches. Right? Right? Okay, I'm just making sure. I mean, my, my daughter is sitting on the front row. I, I could ask her to, you know, can you play the drums for us or something? No, it's not going to happen. Babies can't build. Glad you see that. Okay. Thirdly, God paid a huge price to purchase us back to be in his kingdom. Now that I'm purchased, I want to be fruitful for him and be a kingdom builder. It's just, it kinda, it's just natural. God did this most amazing thing for me. He saved my life. What do I want to do? I want to give my life back to his cause. All right. Now, I love this. I just said this in my own notes. I get to grow up. I get to. You know, growing up has some really cool benefits with it, right? Listen, there's things grown-ups can do, just thinking naturally speaking, that kids and babies can't do. What's that? You can drive, for one. You can vote. <laughs> all, all these types of things, right? There's so many advantages to growing up. Babies and kids, there's some things that you just can't do, right? And so that's another reason I get to grow up. Fourthly, you are a possessor of everything that God has. You know, I'm going to just read you these scriptures. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, it says, this is Jesus saying, it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Now, who's great, who, do, who does it give great happiness to? Me? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about it. But it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Everything in it. Luke chapter 15 and verse 25 through 32 Jesus made, or made the statement about the father, the prodigal son, who made this statement to the older son. He said, everything I have belongs to you. Everything. Then in Romans 8, 17, the Bible tells us that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're an heir. What's an heir? Someone who inherits. They receive it, right? Okay, and now I want you to look at the screen. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, 
those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had. Think about that for a sec. You're no different than a slave. If you just stay in your babyhood childhood stage, even though you have everything available to you from God our Father, He's given you the kingdom. He's made you an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. He's given it all to you. Yet, because if we're not growing up, we remain just like a slave. There's no difference between us and a slave. We're stuck. So how many of you want to grow up now? Man, you're, you possess it all. I want to partake in it. Right, and then verse 2, it goes on to say, they have to obey the guardians until they reach whatever age the Father has already set for them. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that this is what our Father has prepared for us. And now why has He prepared this? Because God's view for us, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, you don't have to turn there, but God is speaking and He said, let us make man. Everybody say this, let us. Yes. Who's He talking about? God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit, He said, let us make man to be what? In our image, and I love these next three words in your Bibles if you look there, to be like us. So to answer the question, what is man? You have to answer the question, who is God? Because we read it in Psalm chapter 8. If you, if, you have a, if you miss some of these series, you can go back onto our website and check them out. But Psalm chapter 8, you see the psalmist writing about what is mere man that you are mindful of him. Why is it that you're thinking about, about a man? Yet he goes on to say, yet you have made mankind a little lower than Elohim, a little lower than God himself. So God's view of you is very, very high. What does he expect of you and I? Everything that we saw in Jesus, he expects you to be the exact same way. Mankind isn't some low worm. Who are we? We are gods on this earth. Lowercase g. Under the big God. We're underneath Him. But listen, He created us to be right alongside Him so that we could rule and reign with Him. God looks at you and He says, You're a ruler. You're a reigner. You're an overcomer. That's how He views you. Is your view that way? Because if it's not, it'll be impossible to grow up. Because what, well, what do I grow up into? Into a reignship. Into a rulership. This is who we are destined to be. This is what God created us to, to be like. So anything lower is not God's will for your life. If you're frustrated in life, if you're annoyed at how things are looking, if the world's kicking your butt, know this, it is not God's plan for you to live life like that. You're supposed to be over top of all these things. If sin is kicking your butt, guess what? You're supposed to be on top of it. I'm just giving you this different thought. This is who we are. As His kids... Man, I love that. Now, God's desire for me is for me to be complete, to be mature, to be perfect. Romans chapter 8, I don't know if that, did I put that on the screen? I guess not. Romans chapter 8, 29, just turn there for a moment real quick if you can. Verse 29, it says, For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, I'm going to read that again. Wait till everybody gets there because I was expecting four people to run around. But okay, we'll do that again. It says, God knew his people in advance. Now think about this. God knew his people in advance, yet he still chose you. That's what's amazing. Even though you and I, when we've sucked in life before, yet he still chose you. <laughs> yes. He knew his people in advance and he chose them. Not just, what did he choose them to be? To become... 
like his son. Say it, like his son. What's the purpose for your life? To be like his son. To be just like Jesus. We said this over and over every week. God, Jesus is not an example just uh, for us. He's an example of us. When you see Jesus operate, that's how I operate. Can you walk on water? Yeah, you can. When, when God tells you to, you can do all things. We're dependent on him leading us, but if he leads us, man, we can do anything. Man, come on now. Think a little bit higher of yourself than just some low-level, you know, just a worm in life. No, 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 no. I'm a child of God. He branded me with that. That's who I am. Yes, Jesus loves me. That's who I am. He loves me. I'm his favorite. You can say the same thing. He doesn't have second, third, third, fourth borns. He doesn't have grandchildren. He's got kids. Okay. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Man, you have the glory of God on the inside of you. It's there. It's present. If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, guess where the glory of God resides? It's not just in heaven. The goodness of God is right on the inside of you. It's there. We just got to activate it. Right? Okay. So, and as we said before, Matthew chapter 10, 24, 25, Jesus said, students are to be just like their teachers. And he's talking to his disciples at that time. He's basically telling his disciples, you're not going to be better than I am, but you will be just like me. So what's Jesus' job? To teach us. He, his job is not to keep you, okay, you're going to stay down here, and I'm way up here. Like, I, I am the capital C Christ, you're a little C Christ. I, no, no, he's bringing us together. We're one body. He needs us operating and flowing together. Right? Okay. Now, so as we said, where do we start? Don't be satisfied with where you're at. Do you have a desire to grow up? Do you have a desire to be all that God has called you to be? Yes. That was weak. Do you have a desire to be all that God has called you to be? Yes. Listen, you got to want it. Spiritual growing up doesn't just happen by accident. It doesn't come with natural age. It is intentional. It is purpose. You have to press towards the mark. you got to want it because if you don't want it, you can just stay in your spiritual pampers. That's cool. That's fine. Actually, it's not cool and it's not fine. But there you are. <laughs> Okay, now Ephesians chapter 4, this is the ultimate goal, and now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to start here. So this message starts right now. Okay, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. Oh man, I've been, I've been in these scriptures for a few months now, and this, oh, this is delicious. And why it's so delicious is because it's, this is the way God organized it. This is the way that he laid it out. So to go contrary or to have different thoughts about that is just stupid on your and my part, just to think differently than what God does. God has set some things in order. If you want to see how things are supposed to behave or how things are supposed to act or how things are supposed to work, you go to the blueprint, right? You go to how things are actually supposed to work. Well, Ephesians chapter 4, this is the very layout for how spiritual growth takes place. This shows the will of God. This shows what he's what he's working on, and what he's building at this exact moment. You can see that because in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the call that you've been called because God called you. He said, live worthy of that high call. Right? And he lays all this thing down in, um, 
I love this. And actually, verse 5, it says, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, listen to this, who is over all and in all and living through all. What's God doing? He's above all, He's in all, and He's working through all. What does that mean? He's working through you. That's what He's doing right now. Okay, so verse 10, pick it up right there. It says, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. What's God's will? To fill the entire universe with himself. Oh man, don't you want that? <laughs> Guess what? And you and I have a part in that. <laughs> okay. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the world. Oh, sorry, what? To the church. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. You have the apostles. You have the prophets. You have evangelists. You have the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, as you see in the next verse, is to equip. Say equip. Equip God's people to do His work. Who does His work? The saints. The, people, the ones that are being equipped. Right? To do His work. And what else do they do? They build up the church. We'll come back to all this. The body of Christ. Now notice this. This will continue until we all... Say all. all. Now that doesn't just mean our cute family here. This means all collectively. All. All come to such unity in our faith and knowledge. Now I'm going to just pause here for a sec. But you see that word unity. Anything that causes church to divide is of the enemy. Right? Because what is God interested in? Unity. We are all one body. Right? I'm just, I mean, we know this, but just to put it in your own brain again, when we get to heaven, there's not a Baptist corner, you know, a Presbyterian corner. Charismatics are in the middle because they need the most space to, you know, do their thing. <laughs> right? And he doesn't have that. He has a family. And listen, so this will continue. What will continue? The equipping of the saints will continue until we all come into, our, into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, who is the standard? Now, for, for your own personal life, I want to make this personal. What is the standard for your personal life? Is it your, your neighbor? Is it me? No. It's Jesus. Now, there's people that you can learn from and you can go, man, I really like the way they do this. That's, that's fantastic. That's great. But part of the reason why we don't look at people, I want to be just like that, is because what you also want, you want the good things of it, you also get the bad things in it. Right? You aspire, oh, I want what they have. They got all this, this, and this. But there's also some negative side to it as well. And by just wanting that, you'll, you'll attract the negative side as well. So Jesus, and I remember, anybody ever as a kid, you remember wanting to, you know, see how tall you were and you stood up against the wall and your parents kind of... To your ruler, yeah, you're you've grown. That there it is. That looks great. Jesus is our measuring stick. So Jesus is right there, and so we're we are measuring up to Him. So we're not competing with one another, right? We're not competing with church against church. There's no more competitions. We're in the same family, and the standard is Jesus. When I look like him, talk like him, think like him, act like him, then I know I'm on the right track. 
It's not if you look like me, talk like me, sound like me, then you're on the right track. No, no. Jesus is the standard. Right? We're all attaining towards him. Hebrews 12 tells us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Why? Because he's already ran this course. He's already ran this race. He got the t-shirt. He got the trophy and said, I already won. Now be like me. That's what we're attaining towards. Right? So, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. This is huge. This is why... We have pastors in churches. <laughs> so we, oh, I heard this over here. Well, listen, what are you getting fed here? Because I know this, but, but the Lord has been speaking to Jamie in my heart. This is not just for us. We can talk about and celebrate it. This is for this church family. God placed us here. So what we're saying is, hey, it's going to benefit you. It's going to grow you. Right? So we got to be aware of those things. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. And this is the fullest measure. To speak the truth in love, growing. Say growing. growing. In every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes, talking about Jesus, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Yes. Now, I got on a little rant when I was here yesterday. Sometimes it's good when nobody else is in the building. That's why I like coming here when nobody's here because I just have fits. Good ones. But uh, I, I kind of got running around a little bit because I was looking at this and I was just kind of thinking about just what is the primary purpose of church? Because you've got so many people that have ideas. Some people don't even like the way that churches are set up anymore, so they're trying to move away and, oh, we just want home churches, which is cool. But listen, that's God, if there's no pastor, what are you doing? It's not just a bunch of believers getting together and having fellowship. That's not equipping. I, I got, I'm, I'm going to just say it because, listen, it, uh, uh, we all want to grow up. Now, there's a, there's a lot of trends, just the way that culture is. And what they want to do is they want to move away from how church is operating. And, oh, let's just gather some friends and we're going to have our own little church group. Listen, there's, that's wonderful to have, you know, I mean, accountability, to have, you know, relationships in those groups. That's wonderful. But if that's your church, so to say, you are missing out on equipping. Why? Because believers aren't just, don't have the, the grace on the inside to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why we have pastoral teams here. That's what we are all about. Right? So that's why God set this up in such a way that don't get away from it. Don't go, well, this is the trend. No, we're not following trends. We're following Bible. This is the way that God orchestrated it. This is the way that He designed it. So for our full advancement, for our growth, for our maturity, for our being everything just like Him, we need one another. We do. Now, what is the primary purpose of the church then? I wrote down two things. It could be more, but I just wrote down these two. Number one, it's a place to be equipped. Anybody ever thought of that before? This is where I get equipped. Number two is a place to grow in my faith and understanding of God's Son. That's what church is for. That's why we have services. The moment that the church steps away from its primary purpose... It becomes a social club. 
and there's no power in it, there's no strength in it, there's no advancing or building. You may get a bunch of people coming to it, but there's no building and advancing the church. Now, I don't know about you, but for, for myself, for our pastoral team, we are interested in building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want messages that build the church, not just, you know, are cute to hear. We're interested in building people. We're interested in growing people to the fullness of who God created them to be. That's who we are. And so that's what this church is all about. It is a growing church. Naturally, yes, because we're moving to a second service. But also, spiritually, we want you to grow. We want you to be everything that God created you to be because there's more. There is a design destiny that you have to fulfill. you got to fulfill it. I don't know about you, but I'm stirred up about that. You know, I mean... The Lord said this to me a little while ago, and this was about three years ago, and I finally found a purpose for why I do what I do. I remember asking the Lord, why do I preach? What, like, why, why am I preaching? And I was just reading through my New Testament. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. I was up, and I was, I was reading through the Message Paraphrase Bible. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, these words came out. Everyone we meet, we get them ready to face God. And that just leapt off the page. It hit on the inside of me. Joel, this is what I called you to do. Every time you get up to preach, you get people ready to face God. Whether it's to be born again, whether it's to find your own purpose, your own call, whether it's to realign and get back on track, regardless of what it is, every one of us, Christians I'm talking about, have to stand before Jesus and give an account for our life. And he's not asking, oh, that's so great. That was what you did in your life. That's so awesome. He is going to look at the measure to what Christ is. And you're going to have to feel that. And then he's also going to look, did you do what I called you to do? Oh, yes, I pastored the greatest church. Well, were you called the pastor? Well, uh, I don't know. That's what we want to find out. right? That's what we're all interested in here is so that we can say confidently and boldly to that end day that I'm ready to meet Jesus. Man, when you, when, if the Lord tarries this coming, I mean, if he came tomorrow, that'd be awesome. But if he tarries this coming and you go home to be with the Lord, I want, on, your, on your deathbed, you should be able to say, I am ready to see him. Not like, oh, shoot, there's things I got I to gotta do yet. No, I didn't do this. Yet. No, no, no. We want to avoid that at all costs. And that's why we're talking about growing up. Because, listen, I mean, yeah, you're going to forever be with the Lord. It's going to be wonderful and marvelous. But there's rewards that you and I get for the things that we do on this earth. And I want us as a church family to get the full reward. That's what drives us. That's what stirs us up. We don't want just a half reward or a partial reward. He gave us a vision. He gave us people. He gave us the call. And we are going as a group, as a family, towards fulfilling this destiny. We're all in this thing together. It's not you doing your own thing and my doing my own thing. No, we're in this family together. And as we all grow up, guess what happens? The whole body grows up and we get stronger and stronger, growing in love. That's the ultimate goal. Okay? Now... Why are Christians frustrated, unfulfilled? Why are their lives no different than those outside the church? And a potential answer is their view of the church and the fivefold ministry. It's the way they view it. Number one, a potential answer, as I said, they could see church as just a social setting. Oh, these are where my friends go, so I go. That is not the call for what church you attend. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, the Bible very clearly lays out that God places each person where he sees fit. God has a specific place, has a specific plan, has put specific graces and gifts on the inside of each and every single one of us to help fulfill a call, a vision of a local body. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Listen, I try to go to New York. I tried to live there. I tried to do everything I possibly could to go there. And guess what? 
<laughs> Here we are. The opportunities came. The, the offers were there. We're, whoo. So as soon as we got the offer, it was like, oh, yeah. Whoa, the big apple. Ah, okay. And then also we got home and I got excited about it. And about a day later, I mean, the Lord let me have a day to get like, that would be cool. About a day later, no. Oh, oh, surely, Lord, you can make some arrangements. Like we can, you know, have, you know, a few. No, 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 it's here. He specifically plants people where he sees fit. That's why we're here. And I love it. That's the best place in the world. Red deer. Who'd have thunk, huh? <laughs> the second thing that they view church as is they see it as an obligation to being a Christian. You know, I got check boxes that I got to get accomplished this week, and church is just one of the boxes. Oh, phew, I got that out of the way. It won't work. Thirdly, then, uh, you know what? I better not go into that one. <laughs> okay, let's just talk about it. <laughs> uh, it's not, not here, other places. And I'm not saying that as a joke. I sincerely mean that. But their view of how fivefold ministry, that they actually hire pastors or leaders in the church so that the pastor and the leader does the job for the saints. They do their praying. They do their talking. And they do figure out all the problems. They take care of everything. They are running around. i got a couple of friends that are actually in this city that are extremely burnt out. And pastors. Different denominations. And it hurts my heart. Why is that? It's because that is not the way that God intended for it. Man, you are an, when I say you are an equipper, man. That's who you are. You got the equipment to equip. Equip. And he's done. He's out. That's, that's sad for me to see. I don't know about you. Like, I remember hearing that when I first started youth pastoring. Uh, I remember my first meeting that I got to. They didn't, they didn't know who I was, but they said, oh, well, it's nice to see you. I don't know how long you'll be around because youth pastors last about three to five years in this city. And they would just come and they would go. They would come and they would go. Why? Because they are burnt out. Not operating according to the way that God laid it out. God gave us all these fivefold ministry gifts to learn and to be equipped from. We need them all. Right? There's all these gifts that are required. Now, as I said, the lastly, the church is not just a nonprofit organization that's here to help people cope with life. We're here to take over and be the ambassadors of Jesus on this earth. We're here to be the difference, the change, the light, the truth. So why are we talking about all this? Because we want to see people grow up and be giants in the faith. Giants. Babies don't beat Goliath. Men do. David was 17. Inside, he was a giant. It is not based on age. It is based on who he knew God was and who he knew God to be on the inside of him. It changed everything. So that's what we're all about here. It's not just, you know, getting nice. We want to start building giants in the faith. That's who we are. That's why we teach what we teach. I understand what I'm saying. Is it easy for me to say what I'm saying? No. But I got to say it. Praise the Lord. Thank you for hooking up. Anyways, babies... Let's talk about babies. Aren't they cute? Don't you just want one? Uh, I have one. <laughs> Don't touch. Get your own baby. <laughs> ah, it's my baby. Anyways. But when you are born again, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are <laughs> born again. Right? Sorry, I'm just laughing because uh, <laughs> we got a video sent to us. Cassie, you sent it? Yes, yeah, sent us that video. And it was about uh, 
uh, this lady asked a question, um, how, do I, how do I be polite and just telling people, I mean, they, what they want to do, we got a, we got a five-month-old baby and they want to touch him, they're trying to kiss his face, they're trying to hold him and bring him all in. And she's like, with all the germs and stuff, I don't, I don't want people touching him. Is there a polite way that I could say, you know, don't touch my baby? And so this was Steve Harvey. Anybody know Steve Harvey? He's hilarious. Well, he said, this is your baby? Don't touch it, my baby. Get your own baby. And he said, one of the greatest ways to actually stop people from touching your baby is screaming. Ah! See, if you scream, everybody will just run. That was the way that he presided. So when I said, don't touch your baby, don't touch my baby, that's just, that went through my brain. So, but babies, back to spiritual babies, we got to touch spiritual babies. Like newborn babies, like when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible calls us being born again, right? And so what happens, there's been a new birth, and all of a sudden you've been born again. You're a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. The oldest passed, and you're a brand new infant. Heaven rejoices because there's a new birth in the family, right? And now I'm going to just speed through this for time's sake. But babies reveal, number one, babies are ignorant, right? They, they, they have a lack of knowledge and information. So babies need the basics. Right now, my daughter, she's two weeks old. She only can handle breast milk. <laughs> Chest milk, if you weren't here from last week. <laughs> breast milk. That's all she can have. That's all she can handle. But here's the thing about it is babies, no matter what, if you see a little baby even crawling around or so, whatever they find on the floor, they will put in their mouth. Now, the same thing is spiritually speaking. Babies will eat up whatever is placed before them. Did you know that there is, just as there's natural poison, there is spiritual poison as well. You can eat some garbage that will give you a totally warped idea of God, the church, people in general. And you can eat that stuff. So we have to be so careful to what we feed babies. Right? we got to give them the proper food. Secondly, babies can't handle much. They're easily set off and they're controlled by their feelings and what happens externally. So they're very externally understanding and that's how they live their life based on what's going on here. Right? Number three, babies live in a small world. They are the center of their world. Their eyes are on them and they expect others' eyes to be on them as well. Babies are takers. Babies are not good help. My daughter has not made my bed yet and it's been two and a half weeks. She has not put cereal on the table. The nerve of her not cooperating or doing. She can't. Listen, when we talk about these things, it's not that people are bad. It's this is where the state, this is where people are at. So we want to help grow that, right? So right now, in this state, I mean, let me just go on. Babies don't do anything for themselves. Right now, they are, my daughter is completely dependent upon someone else for everything. And mostly at this time, it's Jamie. I, I mean, I can't, you know. <laughs> Spiritual babies look to others to pray for them, to tell them what to do, to fix their mess and to feed them. So how do babies grow? First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 tells us, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. So what do we give babies? We give them the basics of the Word of God. We give them the milk of the Word. And listen, they will grow. If you are a spiritual baby, hey, awesome. How do you grow? By going to the basics of the Word of God. Getting down to the very fundamentals of faith, the Holy Spirit, the love of God, who you are in Christ Jesus. All of these things are fundamental for you growing up in Christ Jesus. But I'll notice this. That I love this. The spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience. 
If babies aren't growing, it's because they're not getting spiritual milk. Instead of getting the whole milk, they got skim milk. All the cream has been taken out. Anything good in there, we kind of just threw something together and gave it to babies. Babies will grow when you give them proper milk, right? So how do we grow up babies? Is you feed them spiritual milk. Now this morning, I'm going to take the last 20 minutes or so to talk about children. Ready to talk about some children? Children? All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. We know this scripture, but I want you to see this. Are you, you do, you're doing okay? Yeah. We're, we're high-fiving? We're, we're happy? Yeah. Right? Okay. We're not miserable? We're all good? Just making sure. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now notice there's three things that really we can, we can see from individuals where they are at spiritually. What are the three areas? Speaking, thinking, and the way that they reason, their understanding of things. But notice this, Paul, I love the way that he puts this together. When I was a child. So when you are a child, you can't help, but this is how you talk. This is how you think. This is how you act. This is your reasoning. This is how you understand things. So again, we're not mad at them. for They're not, they're not bad people. They're kids. This is what they do. So what we want to do is now in this process, we're going to help train them. Children, babies you feed, children you train. So you have to take on a different understanding. If you're a baby, yeah, you're, you're ignorant to a lot of things. So what we're going to do is just feed you. But when you're a child, now you need training. Anybody enjoy training? Three people. Okay, awesome. Here we go. This is going to be a lot of fun for you. I promise then. <laughs> Now, characteristics of childhood stage and of spiritual development are similar to the physical. Um, <clears throat> overall, children are undisciplined and immature. Now, that's kind of the big overriding picture. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of it because I'm going to save that for next week. But children in general, they are undisciplined and immature. We can agree on that? Just think of it naturally. If you've got kids, just think of it for a second. My sons have never come up to me and said, Papa, I want to go to bed. I'm feeling a little bit exhausted from the day. <laughs> now, my kids actually eat really good. They are veggie, veggie men. Like, they, they enjoy. We're like, hey, first eat some meat before you eat your salad type of parents at the moment. They're, they're working that. But just in general, like when your kids get a little bit older, they don't just say, oh, I could go for a salad rather than the bag of chips that are sitting over there. Right? I, and you know, they, I want to stay up all night long and watch movies, as many movies as I possibly can, when instead of going to sleep. They're just, there's no discipline. So that's why God gave them parents to discipline and to train and to show them how to do it, right? Anybody here with me? Are we, that's what they do. Okay, I'm just making sure. Now, the first thing that I want to just make mention of just regarding children is that children live life on the run. That's how they live their life. They enjoy the fast pace of life. My sons do not stop. <laughs> when we, I, when I, I came home uh, this past week, I don't remember what day it was, but Papa, Papa, as soon as I walk in the door, Papa, Papa, and it's just, it's just exciting. It's as if they had just been playing the whole day. And then they come home, Papa, let's play superheroes. All right. So I'm Spider-Man, Jace is Flash, and Max right here, he's Hulk. And we're, we're walking around downstairs and, you know, we're doing all these things. We're fighting bad guys, right? We're taking out the bad guys. We're tying each other up. And after an hour and 15 minutes of this, I'm going, okay, this, is, this has been good. I've been Spider-Man long enough. 
My webs are no longer working, guys. I, nothing's coming out, so I need to leave. No, but we want more. We want more. Okay, Papa, we won't do that because I said, no, guys, we're done that one. Okay, let's play soccer then. So they want to play. And kids, naturally, it's wonderful. That's, that's how they grow up, playing. Let their imagination soar. Let that thing grow. But now I'm talking even just from a spiritual perspective. Kids do not know the importance of quiet. <laughs> they don't get it. Like Jace Max, what don't you understand about quiet time is vital time. It's, it's important for your development. <laughs> go, let's go. Let's watch a show. Let's do this. Let's go that. It's, it's on, on the go. Now, spiritually speaking, just kind of tying it over. Or sorry, let me just add a few more things here. It says, even in the church, people are constantly on the go. Um, we take pride even in the fact that we live busy lives. I, like, we like showing our agendas. Do you see? Man, when, hey, how are things going for you? Really busy. And we go, man, that's awesome. Because if you're not busy, you must be some lazy guy that does absolutely nothing with his life. Right? But we, we've kind of, you know, substituted all this go, 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 go as progress, as development, as furtherance to anything that we're doing. But the Bible teaches quite opposite. Now, even parents, and I know this for myself, and I'm guilty of this, I'm, I'm telling you what I'm learning right now. Even parenting, if I can keep my boys busy for the day, I think it's success. No, I want them to be bored. They need to be bored. They need to stop and just go, oh, now what? Perfect. Now, that's hard for me because I my personality by animal is otter. I am very much, ah, let's do things, let's do stuff. I'm also lying, so I contradict myself a lot of times. Living with me is very frustrating. <laughs> hey, no, don't feel bad for Jamie. Feel bad for me. I have to live with me. She's fine. She enjoys it. She's great. All she has to do once in a while is just, oh, honey, shh, shh, and just pet my man beard that I've been growing for a day. And, yeah, anyway. <laughs> But man, I've had to just stop. Everybody say stop. Stop, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Now, and this is something that I've been asking the Lord. Like, like honestly, this is something that I'm developing in. I, I have, I've noticed that this is a part of childhood in me, like I'm talking spiritually speaking, that needs to grow up. And it's constantly being on the go. I have to do this. I got to do this. I got to prep for this. I got to be over here. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got. Because I'm thinking external things that I'm doing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing accomplishments or I'm thinking it's achieving something, but it's not. So I asked the Lord this question. Why is a busy lifestyle proof that I'm spiritually immature? <laughs> Here's the answer. <laughs> This is what the Lord shared with me. He said, the goal in life is not to be driven, but to be led. So much of the time, we think we have to live a driven life. Listen, I'm a very passionate person. I'm not condoning that. If you've got passion with something, man, do your passion. Go after that thing. Build that thing up. Go after it. Press towards the mark. But sometimes your passion, if it, you have to move that alongside if you're actually not being led by the Spirit of God anymore. If your being led is being hindered because of your passion, there's something wrong. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say that these are the children of God, those that are led by their passion. 
It's those that are led by the Spirit of God. Because listen, being led by the Spirit of God sometimes contradicts my passion. Right? Okay. So, I want to move from having a driven lifestyle to a led lifestyle. Life with God is lived from the inside out. And now I've, uh, I was, as I was prepping for this, the Lord actually brought me back just to a, a study that I had done a while ago. It's on the book of Revelation, and it's this, this book from Rick Renner. It is gigantic. It's about nine and a half pounds. It's huge. <laughs> it's a lot of brain power in one book. But he just talks about the similarity between individuals and stars, like the stars that we can see. So he just said, notice the similarity between stars and people. Number one, just a few quick things. Estimation of 100 billion stars are in our Milky Galaxy. Outside of our Milky Galaxy, there is again recorded another 100 billion galaxy outside of that. <laughs> God's pretty big. So then he goes on to say, stars have a beginning and an end, a birth and a death. After its birth, a star lives through many cycles of growth, but eventually it begins to cast off its outer layers in preparation for death. Every star is destined to die as its time runs out. There is no such thing as a permanent star. There is no such thing as a permanent you on this earth. It's impossible. Next, the lifespan of a star is determined by the amount of fuel it has at its core and the rate at which it exerts its fuel. Massive stars have shorter lifespans because they experience greater pressure at their cores, which causes them to burn energy more rapidly. Smaller stars burn less brilliantly, but because they experience less pressure at their core than massive stars do, the smaller stars usually burn longer. Like human beings, talk spiritually speaking, the behavior of young stars and older stars, I'm not talking age, I'm talking spiritually speaking, the behavior of young stars and older stars are different. Younger stars are known to rotate rapidly and have higher levels of surface activity. As stars mature and grow older, they slow down and their surface activity begins to diminish. Although older stars rotate more slowly and have less surface activity, it is in their mature years that they produce the strongest and most stable light. So even for yourself, one of the major reasons that I would like to encourage you to grow up is because sometimes you're actually killing yourself. You are going, going, going. When is your Sabbath? When do you stop to take a break and do nothing? Now, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. Because this for me, I mean, I'm... Let's go. Let's do something. man. I'm sure there's something we can do. Joel, just calm down. Don't die early. <laughs> Be around a little longer. But he's just showing that. Man, it's, you can see all these, these younger stars. Their surface activity is going. They're doing all these things because they're thinking the more surface activity that I have, the more that I'm able to do, the more I'm able to conquer, the more that I'm able to build the kingdom with. Listen, the zeal is wonderful, but you also need the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God will slow you right down. Heal, boy. Right? Okay, so the question is, what is true progress with Jesus then? And this is what the Lord shared with me. It's hearing from Him and doing what He said. What is success for your life? Bring it down to the simplest of terms again. Rather than making life so complicated, what is life? It's hearing Jesus and doing what He said. That is all. If He didn't tell me to do it, I ain't doing it. I'm done. Stop it. 
But if he tells you to do it, then you best be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right? So now go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to just give you, if you have had a hard time coming up with a New Year's resolution for yourself, I got one for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to go right here. And this is from the Amplified. This is Paul speaking. Everybody say Paul. Paul. All right. He's talking. And this is what Paul says. He says, make it your ambition. In the New Living, it says, make this your goal. And definitely endeavor to live quietly and peacefully. He goes on to say, we won't talk about this now, to mind your own affairs. Because babies also are very, or sorry, children are also very curious. The moment that some gossip is around, babies are all over that. Oh, what would they say? Who dad? So mind your own business. That's the, that's the next one. But for right now, endeavor, you make it your ambition to live a quiet and peaceable life. Why? Because your life depends on it. Your life depends on you shutting up, turning off, and just be bored. Huh? You don't hear that much anymore. This has come right out of the Bible. Man, I found out my greatest times with the Lord have come from times of actual connection. And when do I connect is when I'm stopping, when I'm sitting, and when I'm still. When is the last time that you were still? Listen, your life depends on it. Your family needs you to be still so you can hear. How are we supposed to be turned into the image of God? How are we supposed to become just like Jesus if, we, if he's constantly chasing us? Okay, come, come look like me. Come, hey, come back over here. Hey, get, 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 get back over here. Hey, no, come, come back, come back, come back, come back. And he's constantly chasing people. No, get back here. This is what I'm doing with Jason Max. No, no, don't, 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 don't touch that. Come, come back over here. No, come back over here. Put that down, put that down. You're constantly going, no, 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 don't touch that. Oh, are you okay? Oh, oh, God. Okay, I'm glad. Don't touch that. So he's constantly go. God is not going to chase you. You have to chill out. You've got you to you learn this. This is a growth thing. My boys at the moment, we got to train to be quiet. So Jamie is very good at instilling that. I, on the other hand, have a problem with it because I'm not as good. When it's quiet time, she gets Jace quiet for 15 minutes. How do you do that? She's good. That's why I married her. Let me just read you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 23, verse 2. <laughs> he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. He leads me there. Psalm 37, 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Psalm 46, 10. Be still. <laughs> Say it. Be still. And know that I am God. So he's saying, be still and know that I'm God. Yeah. Reason why you don't know he's God in your life? Why am I not seeing him? Because you're not sitting still long enough for him to even talk to you. Yeah. Now here, this is the thing about what I love about relationship with Jesus versus any religion, Muslim, whatever. They all have to work for their God. They have to bust their butts to, man, if I can do this, then Allah will accept me. If I do this, then my gods will appreciate me. Our God wants to work for you. But if I'm doing the work, if I'm actively doing something, he can't work. 
Listen, grace is working all the time. Ephesians 1 tells us that grace is extending toward us constantly. So what do I got to do? Stop. Sit. You know, more progress is made from just this in this place rather than this. Trying around and trying to make everything happen, trying to do plans. Man, God wants to do life with you. God doesn't do life to you. He does it with you. So what do we do? In everything, acknowledge him in everything that I'm doing, and he's going to direct my path. Lord, what do I do about this situation with my kids? He, he knows there's stuff going on, but he's got an answer. Are you still enough to listen? He's talking all the time, but he's not, you, it's not that he's not going to talk to you. You can't hear it. And that's what's been frustrating, even in me, me trying to grow and develop in this, is because I, he's, got, he's been talking to me this whole time, and I've been missing out on what he's saying because I'm doing something. Grace has been talking to me all the time about certain areas of my life that I've been frustrated and can't see results in. I'm going, where is the results, God? Praying about it isn't the answer. It's shutting up, shutting down, and just going, God, be still and know that I am God. And what happens at that point? He makes himself real to you. He shows himself. Even though, listen, what the enemy tries to do, if he can keep you busy, I actually remember hearing this when I was in Bible school, uh, busy means being under Satan's yoke. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. But if you just constantly in this go, go, go state, the devil, he doesn't care. All he matters is if he can break off communication between you and God. If that communication can be broken off, then he's won. Because the moment that you stop hearing is the moment that you actually start losing. So when's the last time you heard from God? Has it been a while since you last talked? Could be because you're not still. Because listen, if your life depends on you hearing from God, as Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Listen, I need to hear from my God. So what does that require? I need to grow up. I need to grow up. Man, God in His mercy will try to do whatever He can to talk to children. And what does he do? A lot of times he has to use other people to talk to kids. But God wants to speak to your heart directly. He wants to speak directly to you to give you instruction about a situation. That's what he, the way he designed it. There's no man between me and Jesus, or between me and God, except one man, Jesus. Anyways, now just to close it off here. <clears throat> How do children grow? And as I said, through discipline and correction. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to just, this is the last verse. Verse 5 and 6, it says, Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My children, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. Now, so what does that obviously show me? That when I get corrected, my first instinct is to give up. Hello? When God corrects me, when a correction comes to me, whether it's through a pastor, whether it's through a friend, through a family, a relative or something like that, my first impulse is to give up uh, or get mad. Why, why are you saying that? But he said, no, 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 don't, don't. He said, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. Go to the next verse, verse 6. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. So instead of looking at it going as, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting corrected. No, go, he's disciplined me because he loves me. Amen. He cares so much about you that he's telling you to stop, sit, listen. That's what a good parent does. When I see a car coming across and my son Jason is going across, stop. It's not just, oh, hey, buddy, have a good time out there. Just be careful for that massive honking truck coming your way. Just, 
Maybe no duck or something. No, no, you got it, man. You sh and this is what we began with in Colossians 1.28, how we grow up. Paul said this. Just turn there for a sec. I got I to gotta show you this. The reason we're talking about this, because this, this will save your life, man. Colossians 1.28, Paul said, We tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. So to become perfect in my relationship with Christ, what do I need? I need teaching and I need warning. That's how you grow. That's how we're all developing. As long as we keep hearing, oh, make sure, Jason, just, just avoid that truck. No, stop! It's a warning. He's not, in, he's, not, he's not in trouble. It's, I don't, there's something coming your way. You need a warning. Warning, 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 warning. Stop, stop. Something going on. So I'm telling you this morning, stop. Warning. You gotta slow down because we're missing stuff. So now, what position do I take? When I'm in this quiet state, for time's sake, I'm done here, but Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 8, is instead of worrying about everything, stop and pray about everything with thankfulness. Get the care out of your prayer and add thanksgiving, and the result is you're going to hear from Him. And it says, and the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will keep guard and mount your heart in Christ Jesus. That's what He'll do. Right? Well, how, how do I do this? How do I live that way? Then he goes on to say, I've learned how to live content. How do you do that? I fix my thoughts on things that are above, on true, righteous, holy, pure, lovely, all those things. I set my mind and I keep it set on those things. But for your sake, stop. Peace. And I was expecting this morning that the peace of God would just overwhelm your heart. Peace. Just close your eyes just for a moment. The peace of God that passes all understanding is supposed to mount and keep guard your heart. Just stillness. Thank you, Lord.